0: Greetings, friends of the Apocalypse. This is Podcast Act Around Zero, episode 63. Uh, We'll be talking to author Benjamin Wallace. I am Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace. He is Adam Baum Glancy. And our special guest on this show is the original post-apocalyptic nomadic warrior himself, author Benjamin Wallace. Welcome to a bunker.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, so this week, uh, like uh, like we were saying, author Benjamin Wallace. Wow, we had an we have an author on this time. We're so sophisticated. Uh, uh, Benjamin, you're an author. You're an author, and you're even named Wallace. Uh, yeah, I know, but um, <laughs> that counts. Uh, not really. We have, um, an embarrass- we have an
2: embarrassment of Wallaces on tonight. We really do.
0: I know, it's, uh, we outnumber you. So. Uh, 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 Benjamin has a. I forgot to ask. Do you prefer Benjamin full name or do you prefer short Ben?
1: Ben is fine. Yep.
0: Ben is fine. I just wanted to make sure what you're more comfortable with because uh, I don't want to start shortening it and you'd be like, "Hey, dude, you know it's Benjamin." So <laughs> if we ben, had
2: those uh, bars at the bottom of the page, we could have our names on it and then we wouldn't make these mistakes. But apparently, Google had other plans for us.
0: Now, so uh, Benjamin uh, writes a, a series of books called the Duck and Cover Adventures, and he has several books there. And we're going to get into the meat of that uh, when we start talking about the show. Uh, just a couple quick things, real quick before we start. Uh, again, it's been a couple months since i have seen you guys. We're sorry, but you know, as we always say, life happens. So, uh, but now we're getting back on track. Uh, you know, Benjamin's our, or Ben's our first uh, show so far. Uh, this no, it's our second show this year, and then we and Scott have a couple of other shows lined up. So we got a bunch, of, we got a bunch of material coming up this way. So we're gonna try to get back on that uh, that horse and uh, get some shows for you. Um, uh, I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about, but I've I've totally gone dark. I don't remember what I was going to talk
2: about. <laughs> it's because you're starstruck. You are starstruck by our guest. Yes, <laughs> that is the answer.
0: I am, and Ben. Anytime you want to talk, because me and Scott will try to overtalk each other and dominate the conversation. So just know that's going to happen. So just jump in anytime. Don't don't wait don't wait for a pause when we talk, because there may not be one. Gotcha. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> I want to set those ground rules there, because um, you know me. Me and Scott like to talk. So, um, oh, a couple of things. You know, I remember one of the things I wanted to talk about. Uh, I posted on the blog. People is. Uh, remember, a year or two ago, we had a couple of uh, indie filmmakers on the show for a film called Apocalypse Rock. It is now uh, finally available. Uh, I, made a, I made a blog. I made a blog post uh, about that with the links back to their website, which I think is just apocalypserock.com. And uh, you know, they have you know digital download, they have DVD, Blu-ray, all kinds of extra stuff to get that movie. I haven't picked picked up myself yet, but I will eventually, and then we'll we'll probably review it but it is now available so um that that is there and um oh god i I, I, that was only there's just been others you know i I don't have any new kickstarters nothing to talk about there you know uh, any movies coming out i just i'm kind of i'm kind of not in the loop currently but um oh one quick thing i wanted to share though just one little bit of geekery that me and scott have talked about before just because i think it's amusing is there's a show on the Sci-Fi Channel, if people aren't aware of it. It's not The Apocalypse, but um, it's called The Expanse. Uh, ben, you heard of that show?
1: I have. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but I'm just going to get into the books.
0: Um, I've uh, I heard about it, heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah. Very good show. I, I really en- I really enjoy it. And I'm, I'm very finicky, so um, if I like it, you'll probably like it. <laughs> so um, one of the things I found amusing in the show was, in the show... There is, uh, this, does, this, this story does have a point. In the show, there is a, it's because a, it's a space, you know, Earth, Mars, uh, the asteroid belt, and there's a ship uh, that people get, it's called the Rocinante, okay? Now, hist- my history of me with the Rocinante. Um, first time I heard the word Rocinante was, uh, I was listening to Rush in the early 80s, you know, as a young teenager, uh, off their Farewell the Kings album, uh, the song... Like,
2: Sing- like we all did.
0: and still do and should you know if you were a true gaming nerd you should be listening to Rush Um, (laughs) uh, "Farewell, the King Cygnus X1 is a song and there was a line it says on my ship the Rocinante at the time I hadn't read Don Quixote I didn't know what Rocinante was and this is pre-internet so I had to do some research and try to find out what is this Rocinante so you know I worked on it, found it, discovered it. Wow, that's really cool! It's this guy's horse's name, the ship. Wow, that's so neat! You know, uh, the you know, like the thirteen-year-old me thought. So that was my first exposure to the term. Later on, uh, late '80s, early '90s, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons again, of course. Um, there was an expansion that came out for the game, uh, a whole new setting called Spelljammer. And basically, it was like D and D in space. Um, our Game Master, it brought a little bit of that into our game in the Forgotten Realms, and we had one of those ships, uh, one of the one of the uh, spelljammer ships, and we wound up hijacking it, stealing it, taking the crew. So we acquired our, uh, a spelljammer ship, and we had to name it. So immediately, I go, oh, "Let's name it the Racinante because I heard a Rush song talk about a spaceship called the Racinante. So of course, I had to name it the Racinante.
2: <laughs> it naturally just follows one after the other.
0: It follows. Now fast forward to 2017 when I'm watching The Expanse. It's not a big spoil; It's just the name of a ship. But apparently a ship is hijacked and stolen. And they have to give it a new name. And they call the ship the Rocinante. So we have full circle of my geekdom comes back. And I was like, I was like that's awesome because I've lived that, well, in D&D. <laughs> so, that, is a,
2: that is a veritable Ouroboros of, of geekery. That really is.
0: It is. It is. So that I just wanted to share my I, little. Ge- oh, go I, ahead. I,
2: I do have one apocalypse, uh, gaming related apocalypse thing to point out, and that is, uh, if I can pull this up here on my uh, other uh, screen here. Let's see. Um, the uh, the nice folks over at um, uh, at uh, Drive Through RPG actually just. Oh,
1: hold on, I'm having a
0: cat issue. Um, this this again, Ben, is not uncommon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's like magic right there. That was fantastic.
0: Uh, thank you.
2: Uh, yeah. Pulled a 20-pound cat out of his crotch. <laughs> um, the folks over at DriveThruRPG have just uh, uh, dropped a new product for a dead game system. Um, somebody, and I really should have looked this up in advance while I was sitting here listening to your Ross and Dante's story, but I was enjoying it so much. Uh, somebody has gone and published a new supplement to the old Game Designers Workshop game, uh, Twilight 2000, which was uh, came out in the 80s and was a uh, post-apocalypse set during the end of World War III uh, game system, and um, uh, set in the Twilight of Civilization, uh, set in what was their near future and now is our distant past. But um, somebody put out a new product for it. Uh, strangely enough, uh, there is a uh, product available through DriveThruRPG called, um, I believe it's the uh, uh, a the West Africa Sourcebook. There had been some talk for a while on some of the uh, old uh, gaming forums of people who were still, you know, uh, having you know getting their nerd on. For a game system that had died, you know, with Game Designers Workshop some, like, 20 years earlier, people were still, you know, fiddling around with that. And sure enough, apparently a group of them got together, and I'm not sure what the situation is as far as the rights go to, uh, to the game system. But they uh, they managed to put out a, a new product for the game system. Um, and it's just a little $3... Uh, PDF product that's online. But the fact that it's the first, you know, sort of uh, new product that has been made, and I think it's for the, you know, some of the earlier rules editions. I think it might be a 2.2 product. Uh, in fact, I'm pulling it up right now. It's the East Africa source book. It is a uh, second edition set of rules. It's the first product that you put out for second edition since, like, the mid-'90s. Um, but, um, it's, um, uh, the idea of a West Africa, or, sorry, an East Africa source book, Somalia, Kenya, that sort of area of Africa, um, that had been sort of kicked around the forums for a number of years by various writers and, well, they finally got a product together. So, I'm going to be purchasing it later this evening and, uh, give it a read and maybe I can actually do it a review, but it's out there. So.
0: So, check it out.
2: Check it out. All right. That's all, right. all, that's all the nerdery I have for the moment. For okay,
0: cool. The- cool, yeah. Let's uh, get on to Ben before we go uh, too far. All right. So, uh, like I said, now we're going to start talking. Yeah. Oh, instead of talking about ourselves, we're going to talk to our actual guest, uh, Benjamin Wallace. Again, uh, Benjamin is the author of the uh, Duck and Cover Adventures. He has currently... Three main novels and one collection of short stories. Um, it's called the Duck and Cover Adventures or in the Duck and Cover Collection. Uh, the first book, which is how I discovered uh, uh, Benjamin's writing, was the Post-Apocalyptic Nomadic Warriors. Now, uh, for my set in the description of the event, uh, Ben takes a uh, kind of a, a different uh, approach uh, to the apocalypse, and I found it very interesting and it intrigued me to, to go pick it up because it takes definitely takes a tongue-in-cheek look at the apocalypse and talk covers all the tropes that we know and love in the post-apocalyptic genre. So I'm like, you know what? Not that I don't mind my uh, gloom and doom and grim in the apocalypse, but I was like, you know what? Let's look at something that's a little more funny and a little more lighter, and let's see how it's uh, approached. I've re- I've read the first novel. Uh, Scott has also read the first novel, and we both have enjoyed it very much. So while we were reading it, we were working on getting Ben on the, on the show. So uh, first thing that we're going to want to do is Uh, we're going to start asking some questions. Uh, we have a list of questions here so we could uh, actually have some structure. We are going to ask Ben, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, who is Benjamin Wallace, the author?
1: Well, again, thanks for having me on guys. Um, I've been writing books for uh, quite a while, but I've been publishing for about six years now. And post was actually post-apocalyptic manic warriors was the, the first one I put out. And, uh, it's kind of the Wild West days of Kindle and Amazon, and I was lucky enough to get some readers to it, and I've kind of continued on with that series and some other books. So uh, about four years ago, I kind of was able to step away from the day job a little bit and go to more of a freelance, full-time author thing, and uh, I've been doing that. That's that's what I do. I uh, live in Texas. Right now, we're hiding from the rain, and a couple months we'll be hiding from the sun, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: gives you plenty of time to write when the weather's trying to kill you all the time. So.
0: Uh, both, both Scott and I. Well, Scott was previously from Central Florida. I am also from. Uh, I live most of my life in Southeast Florida, and I am now in Central Florida uh, on the coast. So, I get we get the weather and the hot and the humid. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I did Orlando last July, and man, I oh, I was surprised.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it doesn't do itself any favors being in the middle of the peninsula.
1: No, it was uh, <laughs> it was. It was sweaty, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I, I just saw, I was watching, uh, uh, we were eating breakfast the other day, they had the, the news on, they're showing the weather, like, because I'm on the coast, uh, a little beach town called New Smyrna Beach, we're just a little bit south of Daytona, mm-hmm. and uh, it was showed, like, or like it was like a five degree difference from, like, Orlando to where I live, and it's only like an hour's drive, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I'm like, boy, I'm glad I live on the coast, you know, we're close to the beach, you know, get the breeze, it's nice. Nice yeah,
1: little breeze, yeah, it makes all the difference, you know. We just had uh, had storms coming through the last couple of days. It's been it's it's spring. Yeah, it's funny. I got a friend. We had softball size hail hit in the area the other day, and my friend's like, "You okay?" I'm like, "Wait, it's spring. This is what happens. This is just it's March, April in Texas. It's it's what it does." So, but it does uh, give me a good reason to stay inside and stay at the keyboard. And I've been just uh, always wanted to write books, and you know, the, the we're, living, we're living in the future now, where you can just upload it and go. And it's uh, it's it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. So I've, uh, never taken anything too seriously, including the end of the world. And that's, it, it just all fit together nicely. So.
0: Excellent. think, Yeah. Like I said, we, uh, like we're fans of the apocalypse and you're right. It is, it's amazing that the age we live in now to where it used to be really hard to get something published. And with the whole thing with self-publishing and, you know, with the, with Amazon, everything with the technology, it's like such a scary different world than it was when, you know, when we we're growing up, you know?
1: It really is. And that's one thing. I've always wanted to write humor, and it was such. Especially, uh, humor was so difficult to get published. Like it's so subjective. A lot of publishers wouldn't take a chance on putting many humorous books out there. You had the stand-up comics over here, about the only ones that could do a comedy book. And then you had Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett, and Christopher Moore, and That was like about it. And they Dave Barry too when he started writing novels, but. For the longest time was it was so hard to get any kind of humor through it's nice to see the the genre of Funny books kind of exploding out there
2: Well, it's uh, it's strange to say that because I I uh, I just remember getting something from a a guy uh, I should say a guy. I know Uh, I met Charles Strauss a couple of times I'm not sure I can describe him as a guy. I know but he writes a a series that uh, has been relatively successful and his thing was, his editors kept wanting to diffuse the horror. He was sort of writing, you know, horror supernatural stuff, and his uh, his editors kept wanting him to diffuse the horror with humor, and he kept wanting to push the humor, the the horror aspects of it. It was getting a different kind of pushback. Um, of course, he's his stuff is all post twenty ten, I guess. Um, When were you experiencing this thing where you were getting a pushback against humor?
1: Well, I think it was just traditionally. Like, you know, um, it it was just, it was hard to, there wasn't really a genre out there for it. You know, it Mm -hmm. was, there was elements of it in books and there were some writers that were funny, but you couldn't actually publish. It's a comedy, you know, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't like a a, a genre for books like the movie Airplane or something like that, right? It 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 was harder if you were far between. So,
2: yeah. Uh, exactly. Unless you're the National Lampoon doing Board of the Rings,
1: uh, exactly. Yeah, you don't,
2: you don't get to do that.
1: Yeah, uh, and it's just, we I mean, with the with self publishing, just it, it, every niche is now filled, or just at least can be explored, which is which is good. <laughs> it's not just whatever the current trend is. You know, everyone can get their voice out there. So it's it's been it's been really interesting to watch. It has changed dramatically, even in the six years I've been doing it. It's been every six months. It feels like a different landscape completely. So. So
2: the, the Duck and Cover series, um, you've got three books out there, a collection of short stories, because you'd uh, give the uh, audience sort of a rundown of, I don't know, the elevator pitch, maybe the back the, maybe the back page blurb uh, of each of those products to let them know uh, what they're getting into with each of these books.
1: Yeah, sure. The uh, Post-Apocalyptic Medic Warriors is the, is the first one of the series, and that is, uh, you, you guys set it up, it's just, it's a, uh... I've always loved this genre, but it just really felt like uh, it needed to be made fun of just a little bit. Like somebody, you know, it, it becomes such a, a stereotype. Uh, it, it's it's very much the road warrior Mad Max kind of thing. There's a lone warrior comes into town. Uh, the raiders are they've got a big death truck. They've uh, they go around raiding the raiding the smaller villages and. There's actually in the first book there's there's two people that define themselves as the post-apocalyptic nomadic warrior. One is very much the um, the one we expect the scar on his face, he's rugged, he's handsome, and the other guy's kind of a doofus and they they have uh, like an embarrassment of riches, they get to choose which one they want, and they pick the more typical one and the, the big question is did they pick the right guy to to save them?
2: I, I and, don't wanna I don't wanna put out any spoilers, but I have to admit that I found Logan far more believable
1: well and I think that's that was the intent right he's the uh, yeah. he's definitely what what we expect and I uh, just wanted to have some fun with that uh, with all the expectations uh, I get um, a lot of comments like oh I saw the ending coming I'm like well I'm not trying to trick you it wasn't you know <laughs> yeah. like good for you Uh you know it wasn't. it's not I'm not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes it's just uh, playing with the expectations a little bit but then the series goes on we follow we follow the character um, out west a little bit, and they, they run into... One of the big things I want to do with this whole series is... I think as long as people are around, there'll be something worth laughing at. And I think that if anything were to happen right now, we would be really at a loss to kind of to get by. So a lot of each kind of book really does look at a different way that people have tried to carry on. And the second one, they go out west, and there's a, a group of uh, that actually run into... He was a renaissance, uh, when he was younger, he worked the renaissance fairs, and he said they, they summer out in Colorado, and that was really interesting to me, so kind of the thought was uh, a group of them got caught out in like Silverton, Durango during the event, and uh, started their own little kingdom out there, and kind of kept going with the, the medieval fantasy to a certain extent. And then, uh, Is
0: that in the second book?
1: That's the second book called oh, Knights of the Apocalypse. Oh, I can't wait to read that one then. That's so that, <laughs> that one was a lot of fun to write. And, uh,
0: did,
2: did, did when they recreate the Middle Ages, do they remember to bring the plague?
1: They the, no, they don't they don't they don't they don't bring the plague. No, it's more <laughs> the uh, the the guy that ran the uh, turkey leg cart ended up being king. So he's,
0: <laughs> he's
1: he of was course. also the king at there at uh, during the festivals. So oh. they kind of oh. just ran with what they knew.
2: Oh. Um, based on the legs. Based on my experience at, at, at Renaissance Fairs, I'm going to presume that they devolved into a uh, cleavage-based economy.
1: Maybe? <laughs> Pretty much. And if they hadn't, they uh, I had them reopen the the silver mine in Silverton. So the, the, there is a bit of that. But I also okay. got, they've got a, there's a, a, a classic steam train that runs between the two towns, which was just fun to play with too. So they've got a steam locomotive. and love playing with the different areas. And then the, uh, the third one's called Pursuit of the Apocalypse, and that was pretty much I wanted to do Smokey and the Bandit after the bomb. So <laughs> nice, nice. That was a, that was
0: the third, the chase novel. Yeah. So, well, let me let me ask let me uh, backtrack and ask you something real quick here. When sure. we talk about we we're talking about the first novel, you were talking about because we talked about you know the death truck that that was that you know the big the big truck you know uh, that was uh oh and by the way folks we're gonna try not to spoil anything like we always so we say we're not gonna try to spoil anything but we may. Put a couple little seeds in here and there, but we're but we're not gonna we are not going we will not really do a big uh, reveal of anything. But
2: ah, seeds, I see what you did there with the seeds. That was nice.
0: I know, huh? I yeah, see. Ah. What you <laughs> um, when, you, when you did. when, you, when you, <laughs> you talked about the death truck, uh, you know that you know the, the the big truck that was in there was. The inspiration for that it happened Warlords to be Warlords
1: of the 21st Century. Yes, yes thank be. you. Yeah, or sure. Battle Truck. I mean, Battle Truck, 1982. I saw, I saw it as Warlords of the 21st Century. I never saw it as Battle Truck, but that's how it's also released. So. Definitely,
2: uh, it is. It is that is um, New Zealand's second best uh, post-apocalyptic movie.
0: <laughs> I, I, um, because because I, I was looking it up as we were talking, and I'm like Battle Truck, and you yeah, know because because actually I have it. Uh, exactly. We've talked about it on the show. Uh, I actually have it on the, on the DVD rack out in the living room. So i I have a fairly large post apocalyptic uh, movie collection. I have a I have a big post apocalyptic everything collection because uh, you know I'm the one who's a, you know well we're all obsessed with it, but I'm the one who's really obsessed with the subject matter.
1: <laughs> that was. I remember watching it. Like that was. That was a great example. Like how did they not know they were making comedy? Yeah, the the guy from Megaforce, the guy from Cheers, (laughs) you know, and like, oh, it was just yeah, it was awesome. I watched the crap out of that one. I love that movie.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. Then you know, then I was, I was like, I was like, I was like, you know what? I'll bet you, I bet you, I'll bet you, that's a reference to Battle Truck. It has to be, and I was right. Yay! I figured it out. A
1: a little more outlandish even than theirs. I think I doubled up on the semi, the the rig, and it was yeah, it was. uh, yeah, like I said, like ever since uh, I want to say probably the first post-apocalyptic thing I saw was Thundar the Barbarian and just love the genre from there on out. You know, it's just uh, you great. Him, just great.
2: Gotta start them early. You
1: know? Yeah, well thank thank god hanna Barbera and looking back at what they did, it's the weirdest stuff. <laughs> and if you
0: and if and if you didn't know on the uh, WB website, there's the WB archives, they actually have uh, they basically print on-demand DVDs uh, for a lot of out-of-print stuff that was never in print. They have Thunder the Barbarian on DVD, just so you know.
1: I'll be going to pick it up. I gotta, I gotta introduce the kids to it. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I,
0: I, I. When I first saw, I have it again. It's sit, sitting on the shelf out there. So, um, but uh, yeah, so definitely, I, I was like, yeah, I knew it had to be Battle Truck. Yeah, I know you're not trying to be deep with it, but it was pretty. Uh, if if you know the subject matter, it's you know, it stood out, and then, uh, you know, you know who um. And then, of course, the, the leader of the truck reminded me of uh, reminded me of the actor's name Scott was it, is is it my not is Michael Ironsides? is that who I'm thinking?
2: Well, yeah, no, I'm not saying that I couldn't hear Michael Ironside's voice. Yeah, every, every time the major opened his mouth, but I could hear Michael Ironside's voice every. That's I just went straight to Michael Ironside's. Not the it, least of which because he had a eye patch on in uh, Turbo Kid, so. Uh, <laughs> sort of defaulted to that you know
1: he'd be good i always saw chuck norris i was going to try and convince him to do it but uh, <laughs> no no got the opportunity
2: it, it's so much better if it's chuck norris
1: <laughs> um I, so I, so I
0: was, so it wasn't michael ironsides because when i read that i he, saw him I, I saw it in my head
1: <laughs> he, i mean it was he was metal storm right like i mean he was the 80s villain it was fantastic yeah. he would be yeah. he would he would fit just as well so yeah, yeah he, he'd be just as good just I, I've always, you know, a lot of people do ask, like, who would you see in this role, and I've, I've really tried never to. I don't, I don't see it too much. But somebody said Chuck Norris as uh, the guy, the guy in the truck. And I'm like, oh yeah, that would be perfect. So, uh, I've never, since then I've seen we're,
0: we're, we're 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 going to vote for
1: Michael Ironside. So I'm sorry, we, we have, have to disagree with you. with you. I would be fine with him too. He's 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 fantastic.
2: I'm not saying that. I'm I, I yeah, I heard Michael Ironside at the end time, but I would love to see Chuck Norris do that. Only because I worry. That Chuck Norris at this stage in his life has probably caught the same disease that um, uh, uh, that Carradine had back when they did Lone Wolf McQuaid. Um, do you know that story about uh, Chuck Norris and and uh, David Carradine and Lone Wolf McQuaid? Uh, where apparently David Carradine had it in his contract that he couldn't lose a fight to Chuck Norris.
1: <laughs>
2: and he he could not lose a fight to Chuck Norris. He couldn't shoot the... Barbara Carrera, I think it was Barbara Carrera, and the, the heroine, and he wouldn't die in the movie. So they just shot everything out of sequence so that he'd shoot Barbara Carrera. Uh, he would lose the fight to Chuck Norris, and he'd get blown up.
1: And that got by the contract, huh?
2: Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> they they shot, they, you know, they just they just, I don't know how they got past the contract. I mean, they never made him shoot those scenes, but then they edited it together so he blew up. And I would, I don't know. I worry that Chuck may be at this stage of his career where he would not. He
1: wouldn't you know, play the villain, maybe. He wouldn't
2: want to play the villain. I don't know why anyone wouldn't one time yeah. in their career just to throw everyone's assumptions under the bus or under the death truck, as the case <laughs> may be. But, um, yeah, I, 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 would, I would hope he would agree to it. For God's sakes, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be the 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 guy with the eye patch and the bear scratches and the the kukri, exactly. the Come handmade on. the handmade kukri with the lead the the lead pommel, which the uh, the weapon geek in me immediately you know went, oh, oh that's good,
1: that's a, that's <laughs> a really it. good idea. Love the kukri, yeah. So
0: uh, to circle back because uh, um, Ben had left off with. Um, Pursuit of the Apocalypse, and that just left him to give us an overview of the Tales of the Apocalypse.
1: Yes. So Tales of the Apocalypse, um, I'm going to say a lot of people, it, it, it's been great. Like a lot of people really like the stories, and they, they write me, when's the next one, when's the next one? And I wanted to put something out um, to kind of answer that, but I, I, I wasn't ready to write the fourth book just yet. So I had, a, had written a couple short stories that were in and around the Duck and Cover universe, and so I wrote a few more to, to give it kind of a a book's worth. And I think it's thirteen different short stories. So it features on um, it, it features a lot of the characters and some of the minor characters from uh, from the books. There's a there's a couple of stories about the librarian. There's one where he goes to uh, the flooded uh, New Orleans to kind of rescue a kid. Um, just kind of a miscellaneous adventure to a certain extent. But then there's. Uh, I wrote a story called "Gone to the Dogs," which was about a, a beagle and a, um, a Great Dane. They were kind of when I the apocalypse the Earth or whatever. I wanted I wanted that overgrown jungle from The Last of Us and Thundar the Barbarian, but I also wanted the wasteland from Mad Max. And so I kind of hit I kind of hit them with everything. And so there was one area where it was more of a plague. Uh, You know, germ germ bomb kind of thing, and it it killed all the people, but it left these two dogs alive, and they they're they're stuck in the apart, they're stuck in the home with their owner, and uh, they kind of it's kind of like if you guys ever saw Stephen King's Cat's Eye, like they're kind of the connecting thread throughout this collection of short stories as they these two dogs kind of explore the apocalypse. But uh, a lot of fun with that one because it was just it wasn't uh, tied to the bigger story directly but uh like there's there's one character in in uh knights of the apocalypse he talks about before uh before the apocalypse he was in a band and he he played bass in a band so um his band actually survived the apocalypse and they they were the last band of the apocalypse and they were a cover band (laughs) and they were in between gigs when everything hit so they are the greatest band on earth because they are the only band on earth so they uh, they decide they can stop playing covers and stop playing original start playing original music because people have to listen to them. They're the only ones left. So <laughs> it, it, it's stuff like that. Just kind of uh, some of them are silly, some of them are more action packed, but it, it, it uh, explores some of the, the the sillier aspects of it. So, but it was oh, it was a lot of fun to write. So.
0: No, and I said that's great. Like I said, with everything out there, with you know. You know, uh, the last ten years, the oversaturation of zombie story apocalypses, and you know, me and Scott tend to be a little more old school when it comes to our apocalypse stories. You know, I tend like everything we cover. People are like, you're gonna cover any modern stories? I'm like, well, I'm kind of we're, we kind of we're gonna talk about the stuff that we grew up with and read and loved. You know, from mm. the '70s, '80s, and stuff like that. So then, again, then I said when I saw your books, I'm like. Well, it's modern, a little more modern, you know. So, so people could say we can't say that we haven't covered anything more modern. And again, I, I like the idea of uh, the humor approach to it because it's different. You know, it's like uh, I don't know if anybody else has done that before, really. Um, I,
2: it feels very throwback to me, though. I mean, you're talking about yes, it's modernly written, but there is a there is a style and there is an approach to some of this that is a throwback to uh, some of those. I mean, it feels like. <clears throat> stylistically it's a throwback to the stuff from our childhoods not the modern
0: uh, well, well i didn't mean modern as in the just mean that like it was written in the last five years as opposed to oh let's cover this book that was written 45 years ago that you won't be able to find or read you know <laughs> yeah.
1: up next week time machine HDLs. Yeah. yeah no it's but, uh it, it is it's definitely like you say Scott. It's, it's throwback it's what i grew up with too right i'm Child of the '80s as well. Like I say, it was Thundar. It was the Warrior. It was uh, I, I found I saw one. I remember watching. I can't find again. It was just it was it was tough. Warriors of the Wasteland. Oh my God, it was horrible. I gotta find that again. It was so bad. They had saw blades on their cars, and all the cars were dune buggies. And <laughs> I, I haven't been able to track that one down. And it must have been like a Channel 27 afternoon movie one day.
0: What was it called again?
1: Warriors of the Wasteland. And it was, uh, it, uh, it had to be Roger Corman or, or something worse. Like, it was, it uh, wasn't 19- even, like, Canon Films quality. It was bad. Uh, <laughs> ni-
0: 1983. Um, where is it, The Wasteland? Um,
2: Any chance Sid Higgs on that? Oh,
0: God. Oh, oh, God, I remember. The kid with the slingshot and the guy with the bow. Yeah, yeah. That was
1: bad. <laughs> I, just, I probably saw it in 85. So, Fred- 84, 85.
0: Well, the guy with the bow is Fred Williamson. Oh, Fred Williamson.
1: Oh,
2: jeez. Okay, there's royalty in this movie. Let's, yes. Let's be honest.
1: It's, you, uh, it was such Fred a great Williamson? time for cinema.
2: <laughs> didn't you meet Fred Williamson at Gen Con, Jared?
0: No, it was Ken Ferraser.
2: No, the football player.
0: Oh, uh, no, no, I don't think so. It was... Uh, you know ken foray i met uh, i don't think i met fred williamson super bowl ring no no the, it must have been another jared wallace i don't know okay, i don't okay never mind never mind but uh all right cool so um all right then we were kind of touching on a little bit but uh benjamin what was your inspiration to create the series i mean i think we kind of touched on a little bit let's let's yeah, get the, okay. let's get the official answer you oh, know
1: yeah the official answer I've, Dashford. I wanted to write the the funny post-apocalyptic story for a, a, a long time. Um, and it, it just was that. I grew up watching, uh, say, from Thundar, you know, Warlords of the 21st Century, of course, all the Mad Max movies. I just – I love the genre, and it was just um, – even Postman. I mean, maybe the only person who likes that movie. Like, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, it just <laughs> – there's something It's 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 the genre is so interesting and like the whole wish fulfillment aspect. Like I've got the whole world. It's such a playground. No rules. All that. But it was just so ripe for humor, and I, I hadn't seen anyone take advantage of that yet. Really, not on purpose. Like I mean, like obviously, there's there's so many bad ones out there. But uh yeah, <laughs> like I don't think anyone. It's always been a guilty pleasure of mine. And I think everybody's like that. They watch it. They just enjoy the. It's more the. The, the thinking you do after the movie than the movie itself. So um, it was something I always wanted to do, and it was uh, say so once once kind of the self publishing opened itself up. I figured oh, I'll just stick it out there and see what happens. And uh, that's been I've I've written several several series, and that's been the one that kind of has sustained the most and took off the most. I did a uh, kind of a, a fun homage parody to the kind of Doc Savage pulps with the the Fort nineteen. Uh, 30s 40s hero and mm-hmm. but it, people keep coming back to the post-apocalyptic one that's the one they they always want more of and you, you know you talk, talk about beating that dead horse and I don't know if you can beat it enough for some folks like they I, I really
2: don't more more. Uh, I, 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 I considering the number of post-apocalyptic books in this bookshelf over here to my to my right I'm not really going to complain too much about you know more post-apocalyptic material being added although admittedly you know, 1930s, 1940s pulp, Doc Savage punching Nazis off of zeppelins. That's also in my wheelhouse. So, oh, I'm yeah. going to go look those up.
1: Well, it's yeah, the, I, uh, <laughs> the Bulletproof Adventures of Damien Stockwell. And actually, in the, the second book, the Nazis and the ninjas have teamed up against him. So, all
2: the N words on one side.
1: Tesla's in there, too. So, Not you know, all
2: the but close to the <laughs> <so> <laughs> that came out sounding round. Uh, but, yes. Yes, clearly Nazis and ninjas together again.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Great yeah. It's very it's very over the top. Yeah, very over the top.
0: Yeah, I'd have to say that um Scott's love for either, you know, Pulp or post uh, the post apocalyptic, the post apocalypse. Um I think they kind of they kind of run neck and neck and sometimes one more than the other. You know, if he had to love something more than the apocalypse, it would be Pope would be yeah. Scott's really thing. Pope.
2: Yeah. Yeah, any anytime you can punch a Nazi off a Zeppelin into a dinosaur, no. right <laughs> in, I'm there. I think that's that's You know, the, I, I think I think I think Ben's going to steal that for his next novel. Uh,
1: there's dinosaurs in it, but uh, no Nazis. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> It's a so, robot dinosaur, but that, that counts. That still,
2: right? that, that still counts. Does it? Yeah. Was it invented in a lab that has a big machine with electricity that goes because yes. if, if, then. <laughs>
1: How else would you invent a robot dinosaur? I, no, I don't know. Another
2: there's yeah. gonna be giant vacuum tubes in a machine that goes, gzz,
0: you know, that's, that's it's a good. it's a machine that goes bing, yes. And it,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh so cool. So that's uh what inspired you, and I think we kind of covered our next question of uh, as well, which is the why the post-apocalyptic thing. So I think we've we I think we've covered that one or well already, so we're gonna s- kind of skip over that. But folks, we were gonna ask him why the post apocalyptic thing, and he's made it clear that Ben Jimin Wallace is a friend of the apocalypse, just like Scott and I. So yeah. I think I think that is the answer. So <laughs>
1: I'll tell you, I love to hear that you guys have read it. And um, one thing is, I I wanted to poke fun at the genre, but I didn't want to. I love it. it. You know, yeah. I love it. I don't want to. I didn't, anyone that's truly a fan of the genre, I didn't want to offend or step on any toes because it's not something that uh, – I wasn't out there to wreck it. I, it was really something I really enjoyed playing with. I, I loved it. I just wanted to see it kind of go on and just take it in different different slants. So I'm glad to see fans of it, that the genre itself, really do enjoy it.
2: Well, so. certainly it's a, it's a genre where it's rife if somebody wanted to take a wrecking ball to it and just you know, sort of mean-spiritedly smash all these – terrible tropes that we've we've come oh, to yeah. um, yes they could they could certainly do that but um, no it was clearly it was it was clearly all very much a, a, a very loving uh, uh, you know uh, maybe you must the genres hair a little bit you didn't kick it yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't stomp it in the in a gutter you know yeah, and I kick I do out. that no
0: yeah the only time it, I've it ever, can't it can't end like this Scott but uh, <laughs>
2: I've never seen, uh, I haven't seen a really good comedy uh, set in the apocalypse for about 40 years. The closest thing I can think of is a guy named Ron Goulard. Goulart, who's a sci-fi writer, uh, wrote a book called After Things Fall Apart, which was set in California during a post-apocalyptic uh, sort of world, but that didn't spoof the post-apocalyptic genre. It spoofed California. It was all about making fun of 1970s California culture, um, and it 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 sure it used the post-apocalyptic setting to do that, but it, it wasn't about acknowledging the sort of acknowledging the sort of humor that comes out of this genre that we've you know uh, grown so attached to. You
0: know? let me ask you uh, let me ask you a random uh, question, Ben, uh, because we were talking about some books and novels and movies and stuff like that. If you were to say you had a favorite or at least in your top, one of your favorite top five post-apocalyptic novels, what, what would be one of your favorite post-apocalyptic books? Uh, Yes. That is,
1: I joked earlier about time machine, but like, that's gotta be the classic, right? Like going forward to the, the Morlocks and the Eloy was like, that's where it was all born. Like, I think that's gotta be up there as far as the serious ones, but I love God. As bad as they are, I love like the uh, the Deathlands and the like the. Yes, yes, the-
0: I love Ben.
1: Yeah, it just it just so I like, I was I was actually I was in Brazil for a little while and feeling very out of place. And I went and I went to the bookstore and they had two foot section of English books and they actually had um, the Taoist Run too. It was. Uh, yeah, that was the Deathlands. It was the Dallas Run. I'm like, oh wait, I got wait, that wait, like, wait,
0: the-, the, the Dallas Run? Uh, are you? Well, no. no, no, well, oh, hold on. What's uh, uh let the apocalypse nerd come out here? Are you sure you're not talking about the End World Series? End
1: World. Death, Deathlands and End World both, but yeah, the End World ah. was the Dallas. So I picked up. They had Dallas Run there, and that was like, I got that in a big Budweiser and just sat in a hammock and felt like an American. It was fantastic. Uh, nice. But <laughs> you know, this uh, what <laughs> I remember looking into those. That no, was great. Like at the time, they were the number one audiobook in the country, mm-hmm. and it was the the truck drivers were driving the market for that. And I thought that was great because, like, man, every time I'm on the road real late, these guys are listening to this, thinking, <laughs> "Oh <laughs> yeah, apocalyptic fiction." Oh. As you're driving right behind me, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, I stop in uh, – because I go back to South Florida sometimes. It's a few hour drive, and we stop at like Flying J's and those like truck stop places. And I've seen the Deathlands audiobooks. Oh, yeah. There, you know, I'm. I, I really want to kind of pick them up to listen to them, but they're so freaking expensive. I'm like, I can't justify this. It's yeah. way, it's way they're too still, costly.
1: They're still easier
2: to get than the old books. I had a small, a fair sized run of Deathlands, and I do not know how they got out of my collection. But they did, and now trying to go back and find things like Red Equinox and Red Holocaust and
0: Pilgrimage to, or uh, Pilgr- Pilgrimage to Hell, the first yeah, one.
1: Or, uh, yeah, or That's lady. the one I've, uh, I know. I've got a copy of that here somewhere. Yeah. Pil- Pilgrimage to Hell,
0: nineteen eighty-six. I was uh, visiting my cousins in New York, and we were in the mall, and it was a, it was a summer of eighty-six, and I remember going into a bookstore and just randomly looking at the shelves in this in that section and seeing oh pilgrimage to hell Deathlands. What is this book and buying it like right when it came, right after it came out, you know, and falling in love with it ever since. But uh,
2: I, I, I got a little sniff of war wag one off the truck
0: That as well.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: well, yeah, there, yes, there was a little warlords of the 21st century, but I, I got definitely
1: got a sniff of war wag one off of that as well. That's something and the armored semi is not, uh, not that unique. <laughs> you no, know, yeah, so.
0: no. But, uh, I also want to point out to the, um, People, um, the the listeners here, is that yet again I I have uh, then I have shown again my geek cred here post apocalyptic geek cred by identifying the uh, you know uh, the um, uh, I, I uh, end world. And yeah. world. Oh my God, I just forgot. I just said, get cred, get cred removed. removed. Well, those, well, the end world was
1: everyone was a different city, right? It was like, yep. running yeah, it that. was, I but
0: the, how I cut, he said, Dallas run. I'm like, no, that's the end world series yeah. with blade. The guy's always on the cover. He's this big giant buff guy with, with just a vest on. He's got a bow, big giant bowie knife, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: I, I gotta tell you, I am, um, this is bad news. Here's how bad bar I am far behind. You guys are. Sure, I read a bunch of Deathlands. I don't think I've read... It. I don't think I've ever read
0: Endworld. I,
2: I have. I, any- I probably
0: have, like, a section about this big of Endworld. I probably read into, like, the 20s on those. Uh, so, yeah. uh, But Deathlands, yes. Deathlands... And it, it comes to a series, Ben. That's what we've talked about. That's my... That is my absolute favorite.
1: Uh, that, those just define the genre to me, really. Like, those are the... That, that was when it was boiled down from... Uh, you know, it was used for so long. as just like social criticism. Like now nah, I forget social criticism, big knives, you know, and like that was, <laughs> and that's what was great about that. That, that And that's what I think needed, uh, needed a little bit of lampooning was more, more that kind of thing. So definitely. Oh, cool. Okay. I,
0: I'm so glad we're all on the same page or this is awesome. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Um, all right. So we talked about why the post, but, um, uh again i think our next question i think we've kind of covered it yet again because you know we we just like to talk was we wanted to ask you it's like what did you see missing from other post-apocalyptic books that these books provide
1: uh it was just a little bit of self-awareness like it was like that that was a joke and you guys missed it here it is you know like the just i mean michael beck come on it was a comedy (laughs) <laughs> like, you know and his name was Hunter like it's just and blade and all that like it's just you guys like let's let's just poke a little fun at it that kind of thing so um and yeah, the- again, I think anytime there's people around there's something worth laughing at and I wanted to see in my own imagination like how would people get by without without everything today but at the same time it was like so much like like uh, there's so much in this world it's so plentiful like are we really going to be wearing tires and deer skins or the, there was a gap distribution center that probably got missed and there's a whole bunch of shirts ready for everybody, right? Like how many trillions of rounds of ammunition are stockpiled in this country in different places. We're really going to be down to, you know, uh, the, tire iron or uh, a fender on the end of a stick like he just
0: (laughs) well apparently and we i think we actually i think we discussed this when we talked about fashion in the apocalypse was real was really about clothing and armor uh that show is that apparently every clothing chain in the world got blown up and the only thing that was left was fetish clothing stores
1: pretty much and 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 pirelli factories yeah i think that's it like
2: Sporting goods stores for the for the for the uh,
1: for the
0: shoulder the pads, football, football pads, pads. Yeah.
2: and the hockey helmet, and then a leather thong with studs on it. That's yeah. that's your standard. That's your standard wear in the apocalypse. The best post-apocalyptic um, clothing story, I think, has to come from the uh, Showtime series Jeremiah, uh, where they're in the. It's however. Oh, I, remember,
0: you're, I know where you're going.
2: Yeah, where it's the, it's the, they're, they're dealing with a plague that killed everybody off who'd gone through puberty. So everyone under 12 is alive. Everybody over 12 is dead. Uh, It's 15 years later. Everyone's just getting up to be 30, and they're trying to rebuild the world. They're trying to, you know, the libraries are there. You know, most of them knew how to read. So the world is starting to get back together again, but it keeps being this sort of like sign that there's somebody else out there in the world who's got their shit a lot more together. And at one point, they find an assassin who's been killed and he doesn't have any food on him. He doesn't have a backpack. His boots aren't that worn out. And, you know, he's got this great rifle, but there's no sign of where he came from. You know, has no personal effects. And they're trying to figure out from him who this guy is. And then, you know, at one point they realize, Oh, look, he's wearing underwear, something we haven't seen in like, you know, 10 years because all the underwear wore out, you know, it was one of the first things to wear out was underwear and everyone just wore their denim clothes or whatever. And not only is he wearing underwear, he's wearing freshly laundered underwear, which means that the bad guys apparently have enough disposable resources in their plan to take over the post-apocalyptic world that they can afford to take the time to clean their underwear. And that moment was like, oh fuck, we're in a lot of that's trouble. That's a
1: story, like a plot point. Like clean yeah, underwear we're... became like a whole episode. Yeah, it's like
2: <laughs> they can make clean underwear. We're in a lot of fucking trouble. I mean, <laughs> oh, shit.
0: And, and again, I think this is yet another thing that Benjamin should work into his future novels. Underwear. Have you talked about underwear in any of the other stories?
1: <laughs> there we go. Specifically, but yeah, it might it might pop up now. Awesome. <laughs> See, we're 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 helping. We're helping.
2: <laughs> I love the idea that he's like, look, there's you know, ninety-seven percent of the population went away. There's a lot of closets. There's just a lot of closets. (laughs) You don't even have to go to the, you know, the the factory outlet. There's just closets. Go get some clothes. If you're not wearing old clothes just seven years after the apocalypse, you're clearly making a fashion or a political statement about how rustic you are. And I thought that was a great thing to drop in about. Yeah, if they're sewing their own clothes, they're clearly some, you know. Douchebags who want to make a point about how independent they are and how they're not relying on the old, the, the terrible technology of the old world. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I can uh, uh
0: um, go ahead. Like,
2: that's like post-apocalyptic hipsters.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we were wearing we were wearing leather chaps before leather chaps were cool, but um. <laughs> oh, ah, excuse me. Um. Cat. All right, so let's move down to the next one. Uh, which again, I think we've covered a lot of this one already. Is what? What are your influences and inspirations for your writing?
1: The writing itself, um, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's more. I, I get asked that all the time, of course, and it's like I think the inspiration for for my humor, like uh, I like I grew up at the same time you guys did, and it's it was more the the movies than it is, at least any kind of. Books book, or book for the humor style kind of thing. It was like I love the post-apocalyptic genre. I just, I just watched a Mega Man again the other day. That was a fantastic one. Like talk nice. about the, the the society. Like oh no, things are bad. Like that was the family there. But um, you know, the like Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid has got to be one of my favorite movies. And just uh, the airplanes, Johnny Dangerously, all that. So it's I, I, I never try to go too silly, and I may miss and go too silly with some of the stuff, but uh, so it's not as zany or wacky as the airplanes and the naked guns out there, but uh, somewhere in the middle between that and the, that's the the kind of humor I like, and then you know, it's uh, the the book that really when I was younger that I picked up, that was like oh wait, writing can be fun, was Steve Martin's The Cruel Shoes, it was full of nonsense, but that was the moment like oh wait, writing doesn't have to be terribly boring. And then uh, you get to uh, even uh, uh, Vonnegut or Heller and you're like, oh wait, funny writing can also be respected. That was kind of the interesting thing. So I'm not going for the respect so much. I'm going for the laughs. I'm going for the fun. I like the action-packed kind of stuff. Like uh, my other series are yeah, it's uh, the one I just finished the sequel to, a book called Junkers where it's, uh, it's the future. Yes. Yeah, it's the near future and uh, robots have turned on us, but we know they're going to do that all movies and books have taught us that robots will eventually kill us So we're prepared for it. and it's it's worth taking that chance that a robot will possibly kill you if you don't have to do your own dishes <laughs> and society's kind of agreed like no, This is yeah, potential death's better than folding our sheets, so uh, the robot companies have pretty fantastic uh, warranties that cover that but if your robot is out of warranty and trying to kill you, you have to call kind of the blue-collar junkers. These are guys that go out and kind of – they'll stop the the menacing robot if it's not covered. So, um, again, just kind of action-packed but silly. I had a lot of fun with all the different robots in there because there's a robot for just about everything. Oh, thank,
2: and, uh, oh, thank God they're not – they're single-mission robots. They're not multi-mission robots. They Not at
1: all. Just
2: a <laughs> – there's just one to clip the hedges. There's just one to vacuum the floor. Well, I've that's got a uh,
1: paper collator in there that goes nuts. So, yeah, there's a
2: <laughs> Would, – uh, <laughs> w- Wouldn't you?
1: I mean <laughs> – I mean, it's it's, You know, I, I hate to say – I don't think I, – I don't really have too much to say on society or anything like that. But it, it is like, you know, a corporation's not going to make a multipurpose robot if they can make a three-hole punch and a paper collator. They're going to have two <laughs> different product lines. And a, a lot of the fun I had in that was I, I've spent – 20 years in, in advertising and marketing too. So there's, there's a lot of that in me and a lot, I had a lot of fun with the robots and then the different competing, uh, robot companies and brand names and taglines and, and all the, all the kind of stuff on how they might sell, uh, the, the Mr. Barista coffee drum that kind of flies around the office and fills up your coffee mug when it's empty. So I, I'm just, I'm just having fun. Like that's, that's my whole point with these, um, with all the books.
0: Well, the uh, well Elton Brown would be proud of you about having this these single task robots because uh, you know Elton Brown you know uh, he did all the cooking shows, Good Eats and stuff like that in the past. Uh, he's he was his thing was always like I don't like multitaskers, no multitaskers, single purpose, single purpose tools. Don't have it be you know uh, you know something. So um, if
1: it dices, it better not slice, right?
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> all I'm saying is that the United States Air Force could take that lesson to heart too. All
0: right. And then, uh, like, I like that you said about with the, um, uh, you're talking about with the humor in it is, uh, like you try not to be too silly and over the top, but you try to, yeah. maybe funny, because I noticed, like, sometimes it's, um, I guess, uh, very English sometimes. It's that kind of matter of, like the, like, the the humor that I found was sometimes just very matter of fact, very dry, just kind of there. And it's funny, you know. You,
2: you snuck up on me with a couple of lines about, you know, you start, this, you start down this rabbit hole about preaching about things and possessions and they, you know, those can't help you, you know, you, you know, you can't eat yourself, you know, friends are what you need. You need friends and companions, you know, close friends because, you know, when it comes to a pinch, you know, uh, a cell phone is, uh, or a, a plasma screen TV is not going to feed you, but you can always eat a close You can friend. always
1: eat your friends. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And cool. um, that, and what was best about that line is that it actually ended up on the next page. I don't know if you were—that was part of your layout plan, but oh, I'm that worked it, out
1: great. and I just—I
2: just—I <laughs> flip the page. But you can always eat a close friend, and I'm like, son of a bitch, that's magical.
1: That's <laughs> I had no shame. idea broke like that. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so and,
0: and and I will and I will say I liked the um, well. I don't want to ruin to. I, I I liked the bears in the story too.
1: The both bears steps. have been uh, very popular. Yeah,
2: both kinds of bears.
0: Both yeah. kinds of air just just how you talk about like this again the weird uh, tropes of like oh super intelligent bears you know because then it's like okay is he talking about like mutated smart bears or oh. are you talking about is he talking about um uh uh hero's journey
2: wasn't hero's journey was it wasn't that the one that had this the, the telepathic bear in it
0: with sterling uh, oh, no. sterling e, sterling e lancer. Uh, Hiro, yeah, hero's journey or hero's journey, and then the forsaken hero. Uh, yes, he had a because well, the guy was the character was a telepath, and he had the Morse, his writing uh, moose from Canada. But nah, I don't know if I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was related yeah. to that. No, uh, no, hero's yeah. journey, Unforsaken hero, very good. Very good books. Uh, oh, yeah, i got to read anything read with a magical man. moose in it. That sounds fantastic. I haven't, yes. I haven't uh, read that one. Yes,
2: it does. It has a magical moose. It goddamn yeah. does have a magical moose.
0: It was called. <laughs> they, they called it a morse in the book. It was his, his morse. So. All right, cool. Uh, so let's uh, continue to tick down the list. Simple question. Uh, how long does it take you to write one of these
1: books? The uh, The duck and covers always seem to take about three months, no matter how hard I try to get through them faster. Um and that's, I think, a big part of that is. Uh, I think one of the things you we were talking about too was um, anything gets in the way, and it is like the at this point, three books in, four including the short stories. There's a lot of people waiting for that next book. That's the the pressure gets on you. When I first wrote it, no, you know, it was the first. It was the first book I put out there, so there was no pressure at all, and it was just silly and me just going, "This might work," and putting it out there. And now there's so many people like. I've been warned about a few things like this better not happen and this, this better happen. And they, they of course conflict. So, you know, it's uh it may take a little longer to write this next one, but I'm looking nice, forward to
2: it. Nice for the fans to set you up with a Kobayashi uh, Maroon.
1: They're not shy. They're not shy at all anymore. And that, yeah, there is a, uh, it better not be this thing, like oh, he better do this. Like yeah, well, it can't be both. So
2: I would um, get, I would get obstinate. I'd be like, oh, I can't, can I? Well, <laughs> who's the master of this domain? Well, that's.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I, I then, tried to flex that muscle at the end of the third book, and if you guys get there, you'll. <laughs> see. Okay. You can imagine Good. the uh imagine the mail I got for that one. So
0: <laughs> well, well that well that's 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 the thing I find is it's kind of like the Kickstarter syndrome. you you're, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with Kickstarter. Um, I, I, I follow these Kickstarters and then I see like the people who are backing it, like trying to dictate to the person who created the project that you should be doing A, B and C. And why are you adding this? And why are you adding that? And why are you doing this? And usually i pop in, I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. It, you know, if you don't like what they're doing, you don't have to back it because they've laid out for you what they're doing, not what you know Bobby Backer wants to do. You know what? If you want, it, if you want all that, then do your own damn Kickstarter. Make your own whatever it is. You know,
1: what? that's a it's good funny. One. It's I've actually been really lucky. The readers I have been it's very supportive, and that's just I think the nature of social media, right? Like all of a sudden we yeah. we all have a say, and we all have that connection, but. But I love it. I mean, they've been they've been fantastic, and they they joke like it better be out soon. But they know, you know, it's, I'm pretty open. They know I've got three kids. It's like you say, life life happens, right? So yeah, things slow you down. Summer's coming up. I don't get much done during the summer at all because they're they're here all day. So, um, but it's it's uh, you'll lose a few people if if it's
2: but well, those there's others that are, are happy. So the people are going to be that upset because somehow they didn't get the democratically. Uh, dictate to the artist how to do their art, uh, you know, th- you're going to lose them anyways. Uh yeah, just, yeah. Just, just do what you feel is right, and you're going to get the fans. They'll stick to you because yeah. they like what you're doing.
1: You know? Yeah. Like, like, it's, uh, it's been good. They've been they've been fantastic, very supportive. So,
0: Well, see, see, Ben's a lot nicer than, than I am because a lot of times I get a lot of people with this podcast. They start trying to tell me, oh, yeah, they're not, you know, they did a really shitty job at uh, critiquing that film and they blah 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 and I'll go back and It's like listen, dude. I never said I was a fucking film critic. Um, I just do this for fun You know, it's like shut the fuck up. I don't care. You know, <laughs> and I tell people, yeah. is, is this weird thing about
2: social media where yeah. this connection this this seemingly close connection with people who are thousands of miles away that somehow it's like this democratization of of, of the creative process when no, you know the only person you can be in there in front of that keyboard uh, is you. And believe me, considering how how what a bang up job I'm doing getting through my writing projects, I will note that all the people who are complaining about it being late are not there helping. They're,
0: <laughs> yeah, they're not there
2: oh. making uh, making suggestions. Although I will admit that there have been times that people have suggested things, and I'm like, well, that's a ridiculous idea, and then I just typed
1: it. Around. Yeah. Well, I mean, the nice thing about this is they everyone that started this journey with me started with a book called post apocalyptic nomadic warriors. So yeah. <laughs> all the, the kind of, you know, everyone's in on the style and in the sense of humor. So they're not too serious when they, when they end all their emails with, or else, you know, like they're, I, I know they're not. To, <laughs> well, let's, that's a good point.
0: well, yeah, no. And, that, and, that, and, that's, and that's, and that's great. Cause like I said, we get people who are just like, so like, with us, and I'm just like, and I do, I do, I listen, I'm like, listen, dude, F you, man, I don't care, you know, it's like, I'm not getting paid for this, and I don't have to listen to you, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very brusque with these people, I'm like, listen, if you don't like what I'm saying, and you think you could do a better job, go start your own podcast, because I'll, I'll give it a listen, I don't care, <laughs> you know, um.
2: Jared's people skills is why our audience, uh, you know, ranks into the dozens, and dozens of <laughs>
0: Uh sir, we have we have over 455 followers on YouTube now, sir. Okay. Mmm, 455.
2: Um another question about readers, uh, you know, have people followed you from one genre to another? That is to say, have you do you have any way of tracking through you know the Amazon sales? Whether uh I mean that's that's kind of a deep question. Whether people who followed you from one genre to another because they're or, or you know,
1: It it has. I started kind of, um, let's say, the the post-apocalyptic one was the first one I put out. But I had another book that I had worked on before, uh, earlier. And it was more of just, uh, it's called Tortuga's Rising, and it was, I I also enjoy, like... uh, Pirates? No, it's not, actually. It's like the Clive Custler kind of adventure.
2: Okay, yes.
1: And uh, for the same reason I love post-apocalyptic stuff, like, I love reading it, but, like, it's a joke like some like, like every time Dirk, really you know like you love the characters <laughs> but there's just so many tropes about it so i wanted to see like every every character every book was oh thank god he's a former seal oh it's yeah. a good thing he happened to be an assassin oh yes of course he can fly a helicopter so i wanted to drop two very normal people into like a cussler-esque scaled adventure and yeah. uh
2: where the escape helicopter is right there, where they can escape from the oil rig, and they're like, "Well, you can fly it, right? What about you?" Yeah. No, yeah. no. Yeah, Why like did there, I?
1: There is that scene. They come across a helicopter, like, oh, God. we could end this right now, but we're screwed because <laughs> we're nobody, you know." So, um, there, and there was a lot of that. So, and that was that uh, was finding my definitely finding my style at that point. And then the third thing I put out was a story. It was a short story called "Dumb White Husband Versus the Grocery Store." <laughs> and initially that found more readers than anything else and it was just kind of it was not it was me it was me going to the grocery store and how I don't handle that very well and fuck the self checkout lane and all this you know and so I had people coming in from like the everyday slice of life and then I'm trying to go post apocalyptic and a lot of them have thankfully stuck with me this whole time through I did um cuz I did a few more of those dumb white husband stories there was one it was versus uh it was dumb white husband versus Santa, which is a Christmas tale, uh, Halloween, and then uh, and then the next one I did was uh, uh, dumb white husband versus zombies. I, did, I had to do the zombie. Thing. This was <laughs> this was uh, four years ago. It was the biggest thing out there. So I had these three suburbanite dads kind of going up against the zombies. And uh, with that one, I think I was able to pull the dumb white husband fans into my action adventure. But uh, the biggest one I see, the biggest crossover I see, is they go from the duck and cover series into the Junkers uh, robot science fiction kind of thing. I'm going to say but, that
2: but, anyone who's befuddled by uh, a grocery store is going to appreciate the simplicity of an apocalyptic landscape.
1: I think so. It was very complicated in that grocery store, and uh, <laughs> that one was just—it was amazing to me because I, I, I had um, the places that popped up that. Uh, People are like, "Oh, I've read that." Like, "What you've read that?" Like, "How?" did it just. I, I think it was the title at the time, so uh, I haven't touched that series in a while. I've been focusing more on the on the duck and cover and the, the, uh, say the the one I just finished. Just while well, I'm I'm still putting the going through the document, finding all the typos. At this point, uh, was the the second book in the Junker series, so that should be out in the next uh, hopefully the next month.
2: Can you um, speaking of of next week's out in the series. Can you give any kind of a hint about the fourth book in the uh, Duck and Cover series?
1: Yeah, uh, so you guys have read the first one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The events of the first one, it's surprising to me. I I thought that was going to do each one a standalone adventure, but they've all kind of, they've run, uh, there's kind of an ongoing story. And uh, the events of the first book are what drive the rest of it. Uh, They're kind of on the run in the second book. Uh, he has to, uh, to said it was my uh, my version of Cannonball Run or Smoking the Bandit and the Apocalypse for the third book, and uh, the new book I've uh, just released the the title was Revenge of the Apocalypse. So it's pretty much he's out he's out for revenge. I'm
2: I'm very happy with that title.
1: Waiting for
2: this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very happy with that title after having put up with Johnson's "Blank in the Ashes" series. Oh, don't get (laughs) don't get started with that one. Uh, "Revenge (laughs) of the Apocalypse" is like the. the I have no trouble seeing that on a on a on a bookshelf, abs in a store. Absolutely not. That that makes perfect sense to me
1: yeah so this is this is the revenge tale that's what this one's gonna be so yeah, it should be it should be a lot of fun I say it's been uh, I've been thinking about it for it's probably been about a year since I released the third book so trying to plan that next one's been probably about a solid year of thinking it through I,
2: I don't know if it's a spoiler but I'm also gonna say best knife fight ever at the climactic knife fight ever just no oh, yeah and the first one best climactic knife fight ever kudos
1: oh thank you. That, you, is the,
2: that is the way that shit should go every time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's really tricky trying to balance that uh, the action versus the comedy and trying mm-hmm. to, to to blend it all together. So, um, it, it's it's interesting over the last couple years, uh, probably the last last year year and a half. A lot of people have been. It's um, it's flattering. Like they'll they'll say, "Hey, this reminds me of Terry Pratchett. This reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide." And I absolutely, like, I deny that. Like, that's just too flattering. But I think it's also a lot of people have a, there's a limited amount of funny authors to kind of compare anyone to. If you read something and it makes you laugh, like, there's, again, there hasn't been that many, that many out there. So a lot of people, I think, read it looking more for the humor, less for the action-adventure. But I still really try to keep that. Try to keep the action and adventure real, and the the, the comedy kind of surprising. Hopefully, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who, who, who,
0: who was the um was it Pratchett? Who did the um who did the myth novels? That was um,
1: Aspirin, Robert Aspern
0: Robert Aspirin, That's another. That was another because uh, we were talking about you know comedy like did you ever read any of the myth novels uh Ben
1: was it the myth, myth adventures or something yes
0: Yes. Yeah, no,
1: yes. No, no i've heard someone had brought his name up the other day but I hadn't had a chance to read any of them yet so yeah that's
0: that's a series of the, they they kind of take they look at all the tropes of fantasy
1: novels kind oh of and, uh,
2: yeah that's exactly what it was dismantled the fantasy novel yeah,
1: yeah. oh good yeah let me check those out Cause i like i like the Discworld novels um kind of the same thing you know playing with the fantasy the fantasy bit so um but again i think people it's a limited thing but a lot of people have said even reviews like oh this is if terry pratchett wrote about the apocalypse and i really like his stuff but it's a little it gets a little zanier it's oh, that yeah. the british, yeah. british stuff so i well, maybe I'm trying not to go too zany
0: yeah i think maybe i think maybe the myth the, the myth novels may be a little closer comparison
1: you know maybe I'll check out yeah i
0: they're, think
2: they're definitely worth your time
0: and then, uh, all right. So uh, let's run down the last two questions here, so we can start wrapping up here. Um, but again, we may have covered this. Like, what? Uh, well, we know that you don't write a lot during the summer because the kids are out. Um, um, what uh, challenges do you encounter when writing the writing your books?
1: Um,
0: Besides your three children,
1: <laughs> I'm going to put most of it on them. You know, but,
0: but, uh, and the grocery store.
1: And the grocery store, man. It's actually, it's now that they've got that pickup. It's fantastic. I don't, I haven't been in a grocery store in months. Um, I, it's, uh, it's balancing a lot of things. I still, I still do a fair amount of freelance work. So and it is uh, as much as you like to think, I think I'm on my 13th book. Like I've got it down. I've got it. I've got a system. I've got a pattern. And no, you don't. It's just, no. there's still a matter of getting into it and, and getting to, to do it. And the, 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 the more, more readers you've got, the more you think, oh, I, I better make this one, make sure this one's just, just better than the last one, better than the last one, so, but uh, the other thing too is I, I got a lot of, uh, I love the duck and cover books, I love writing those, I've got quite a few planned, but I got a lot of other ideas too, like I think for, you guys have mentioned you, right, you know, there's, having an idea is not the problem, it's the the time is to get it done, so there's a lot of other stuff I, I want to make fun of but I haven't had a chance to yet. So those, <laughs> those ideas are always kind of coming in. I'm, I'm trying to right now uh, handle that by putting more short stories out there. I've always liked them. It's just, it's uh, as, as far as for a writer goes, it's nice to have completed something, even if it's a short 20, 30-page story or whatever. I put one out the other day. It was about um, the runner returning from the Battle of Marathon. And fully expecting to go into the history books for his run, and then Herodotus going like, "Hold on, I don't know if it's really noteworthy," you know. <laughs> and so it's this whole argument between the the runner and Herodotus: how do I get in the history books? You know. So uh, it's stupid. It's just it's it's a dumb, fun little story. I I wrote it in a day, and it was just something different, a nice little break for it. So I think I've started to build those breaks in a little a little more. But that's that's one of the challenges is when you're working on one series is to get a little variety in there, even, even for yourself. So.
2: Yipes. There may be a lot more truth in that that I am comfortable accepting because I'm buried (laughs) in a couple of projects where I can't see the end of them. And I'm thinking, you know, I would, just as a creative form of procrastination writing Mm -hmm. something else might at least get some writing done (laughs) as opposed to, yeah.
1: It really, it really makes a difference just to say, Hey, I finished something. And uh, like this one's like fifteen pages. Yeah, you know it was a uh, was an afternoon. I, I had uh, when I first got started. There was a an author. Um, I'm trying to remember his name now. Uh, J. A. Conrath was one of the first kind of big self-publishing names, and he was he was a former, but well, he was a, a midlist author, and then he self-published and saw all the success, and was kind of guiding people through the process when I first started. And uh, he put out a challenge, like if you can write make a cover and put a short story on Amazon in eight hours. I'll promote it on your page. I'll promote it on He'd promote it on his page. So I wrote a little story called alternate realty. And uh, it was like I mean, <laughs> 10 or 15 pages. And it was, the idea was um, it was more like make room, make room, right? Like it was overpopulation and uh, earth had filled up. So the only place to go buy an affordable home now was an alternate dimension, parallel dimension. So that's how we had used dimensional technology was for real estate. And it was a couple going, to go see a new home. And the wife had a problem with the dinosaurs, right? <laughs> like, like, well, not every house is gonna be perfect. Well, it's the dinosaurs. Ted, we can't do the dinosaurs. So, um, but it, it, over the course that's, of the last couple that, of years, that, people,
0: that's they, hilarious. <laughs>
1: I love that idea. They, they jump in and they read it. It's real short. They like it. It's just, it's a quick little smile. It's a great for a commute or whatever. But at the same time, it was like, man, it felt really good to put that down there and get that out there. So I'm trying to go back to that. Just like these quick little silly stories that are, um, Good for me, and they they say they, they do move along the the bigger book too, just because it's a
2: that title is going to be stuck in my goddamn head now. I mean,
1: that's,
2: <laughs> I'm so annoyed at how brilliant that is. <laughs> I mean, it's it makes me hate you just a little bit. It really does. Alternate Realty, God.
1: Alternate Realty, yeah. Uh, God, it, was, it was it was fun. It was a quick cover. My what my wife's an art director. She did it for me. It's it's a toy dinosaur with a for sale sign out front. Like it was just, it. it was just fun. It was a it was a blast to write and. Just again, like a quick little something, you know, like it, it, it's funny because like even these books, the books I write aren't very long, but the way I look at it is, uh, like you don't see a two hour comedy either. You know, it's no. like, they've got to be, it's the 90 minute comedy. It's the formula. It's always worked. It can't go too long and you can stretch a joke till it dies. And so oh, that,
2: that, no, that's it. the key to all comedy is brevity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You,
2: you cannot. Uh, and frankly, you know, for some of the stuff that I work on, um, uh, most I work in horror and, you know, I don't understand. I, horror novels sort of escape me because I just don't understand how you keep that going for that many pages. You know, short story is always the thing that works for me better because, well, you know, you get in, you make your point, you succeed in your mission, and you move on to the next one.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, it's, it's it's extremely satisfying, I think, as a reader. But even as a writer, it's just like good to hey, I, I got just writing the end on something feels so good. If it, it doesn't matter how long it is, you know, so.
2: Well, we're, we're down to the most important question.
0: Yes, the very, the very most important question of this entire show is where can our listeners and viewers get your novels?
1: Uh, the uh, print versions are available just about uh, everywhere online, and then uh, most of my books are right now exclusive to Amazon, so they can go there, but the, the best place to kind of learn more and see everything I've done is com. And, Benjamin,
0: uh, Benjamin, Benjamin wallace com. Okay.
1: Yep. Benjamin wallace And, uh, got everything up there. We're brand new spanking, brand spanking new website as of, let's see, the power went out Tuesday when we were transferring that over. So <laughs> we had to rebuild the whole thing Tuesday morning. A damn tornado came through and right in the middle of a backup. So, um, yeah, everything's there. And then of course I'm, I'm on Facebook and everywhere. If people want to come, come chat yeah. and hang out links, and have fun.
2: Links will be found in the notes. Wonderful.
1: I appreciate that, guys. It's a, it's a well, really great, I'm glad to see a podcast a like this.
2: We've wasted a couple of hours of your time. The least we can do is show people where to get your books. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And then, uh, all right, cool. So yeah, again, folks, you know he's on, he's on Amazon. You can go to his uh, website to find out more information about where to uh, get the books. Um, I said I picked up the Kindle version myself just because it's you know easier you know just to download it you know because I have a I have a I have a Kindle I just keep next to the bed so like at night I usually read at night before I go to bed so it's just right there just download the next book now then download the next book and it's uh and I think I think is I think is uh, e-books are very uh very reasonably priced uh you know because I've seen stuff out there that's like very expensive for e-books I'm like really I just might as well buy the print version you know. <laughs>
1: I've actually just released a, uh, a collected edition of uh, its post-apocalyptic nomadic warriors, Knights of the Apocalypse, and Pursuit of the Apocalypse, in one Kindle book called the Boom Box. and that's uh, it's it's cheaper than buying all three together. So that's that's an option too.
0: Well, I've already bought the first one, so I'm screwed. So yeah, no, no I got
1: you. That's good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Um, uh, one thing I want to do I forgot to mention is I wanted to just give a a, a shout out, uh, not not related to Ben at all, but there's a, another podcast out there dealing with the apocalyptic genre. They uh, call Glowburn. Uh, they uh, deal mainly with the mutant crawl classics, um, post-apocalyptic throwback RPG that's coming out. And uh, one of my one of the fan followers of our show said that uh, Glowburn gave us a shout out. Uh, so. I'm giving a shout out back to the Globurn podcast so people could check them out because I've had some people actually email me and say, "Hey, I heard about you guys on the uh, Globurn podcast and I like your and I like your show and I listen to yours too." So, I figured turnabouts fair play, so I wanted to give a shout out back to the Globurn about that. And it was funny Scott cuz the guy was uh, was was just talking about us real quick. So he listened to some of the shows. He goes he goes, "Oh, I can't remember the one guy's name, but uh, the guy who um, one of the guys in the show was like a gamma world fanatic expert and i'm really jealous of his collection so yeah.
2: as well he should be You've is
0: gotta, he should be because i have a an extensive gamma World collection back there on the uh shelf what, what there I
2: describe it as frightening
0: yeah it is it's i'm obsessed but um so i want to give them back a shout out there and um just so uh, Benjamin knows the details, and some of the fans listening, listeners was like uh, th- this video podcast. Uh, this video cast will be posted pretty much almost immediately onto the YouTube channel, so people will be able to see it there. And I'll provide you with links to share. Uh, I will also uh, sometime this week is I rip down the audio for the videos as well, so it's just the audio version. I post the audio on the blog, so people could download the audio there or. Uh, it goes onto iTunes as well, so people will be able to listen to the audio cast as well. And I'll get you that information as I get it up, so you could uh, share that around, so people could listen to you and hear how awesome you are. You
1: know. Oh, thank you, guys. I really do appreciate it.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, just to let you know, folks, we're not going to disappear for two months again. Scott and I, like we said, we actually have uh, several uh, shows lined up. Uh, both Scott and I are also finishing shift. Uh, but you know that got slowed down a bit because we were wanted to read Mr. Wallace's book, so uh, so that got so shift got put aside. So we finished Mr. Wallace's books. So we could have him on the show. Uh, we're going to cover Shift, which is of course the uh, second book in the Silo series after Wool, and then also uh, we're going to do a fun. Speaking of apocalyptic movies, we're going to do a, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to talk about the post-apocalyptic film from the '80s, Night of the Comet. Is uh, going to be an upcoming show because that's just one of those classic movies. I just, I just love that movie, you know. So uh, cheesy, tropey, you know, uh, you know, the underground base with the the government organization. It's all, it's all up. Here. It should be all up your alley too, Ben. I'm that's sure you've funny. seen that.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: That's a good one. So we're. So we're going to do a show dedicated to that. And plus, you know, we got some other ideas, too. So we got a bunch of ideas of some stuff coming up, folks. We are we're, we disappeared for a little while, like we tend to do, because, you know, the radiation levels get pretty high, so we can't get out of bunkers, you know, to raise the antenna to broadcast our wonderful show. So, uh, but since radiation levels are down, you know, we're past the, the radiation storm season, so we're going to be getting uh, some more shows out there. So that being said, again, folks... Um, Go to BenjaminWallaceBooks.com so you could uh, find out more about uh, Ben's books. Not just the uh, Duck and Cover book series. He has other series dealing with, uh, uh, you know, a lighthearted, uh, fun look at uh, uh, the pulp books and the kind of the futurism with the uh, Junkers uh, series, you said. And uh, so definitely check out his other books. I'm going to check them out myself, you know, because I'm not just a one-trick pony as uh, I present myself. I like reading other things, believe it or not. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so go that. You can find him on Amazon, Benjamin Wallace. Just type it in. You'll, you'll pull him up immediately. Uh, so, folks, you know, uh, check it out. We think uh, we liked it, uh, so we think you'll like it as well. And, uh, again, Ben, uh, thank you for spending uh, your late later evening with us. Uh, we appreciate that, and we've really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about you and your writing and what you got coming up.
1: This was a blast. Thank you, guys. I really do appreciate it.
0: Thanks Great. for spending your time with us. all right folks so uh we are gonna officially wrap it up so again we will see you uh we'll have another show soon probably in the next week or two you know we just got to finish our our, you know reading our book and i'll get that posted folks and again like i said uh video will be up uh, for those who didn't see it Uh, people for the audio that'll be up soon so that's it folks uh we're gonna see you out the wastelands thank you and good night